Information discussed in this podcast may be sensitive in nature to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Janice Marie Stavros, at age 42 years old, had a network of friends and family around her in 2002, a network of people who loved her. In fact, despite the fact that her divorce to her husband, Michael Stavros, was finalized in May of 2001, the two had remained close friends. Close enough that they still saw each other occasionally and spent time together. In late 2001, Janice was dating and living with a new boyfriend. This man was Robert Butcher Jr. And he seemed to fit right into Janice's life, including her network of friends and family around her. On January 1st, 2002, Janice and Robert went to dinner to her ex-husband Michael's house. Janice's daughter Megan was also there for this dinner. It's not always the case when exes can continue to be cordial with each other, let alone have dinners together. Janice and Robert left Michael's house that evening around 10 p.m. They were headed home as Robert had to be up early the next day for work. And Robert did indeed wake up around 6 a.m. and Janice was still asleep. He kissed her goodbye and headed out the door. When he returned home, Janice wasn't there. In fact, the next two days, her daughter, Megan, and her ex-husband, Michael, tried feverishly to reach her. As their attempts failed, they grew more and more anxious and nervous. Something didn't seem right. It would be January 4th, 2002, two days later, that Michael and Megan reported Janice as missing. Robert said he had no idea where she was. Janice had disappeared. Where is Janice Marie Stavros? Hello, and welcome back to the Where Are They podcast and another unsolved missing persons case. This story, the story of Janice Stavros, does take us back to 2002 and doesn't give us much information at all. In fact, if you go to YouTube or Google and look for any news media clips, even archived ones, you'll find zero. So many cases have very little info and media out there, but it is rare that you encounter one that has zero. But something about Janice's story really stuck out to me. I think it's the fact that as a 42-year-old woman living a normal, quiet life surrounded by friends and family just vanishes without a trace and no one is really paying attention or talking about it. Or maybe the fact that this woman doesn't even seem to have any of the factors that would put her at risk for disappearing or being the victim of a crime. Well, maybe there is one factor, but we'll get to that in a bit. 
Before we jump in, a quick welcome to our new Patreon member this week, Christy. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. And a big thank you to everyone who listens to these stories and shares these stories. It's a numbers game, folks, and the more people we reach, the better. I also want to mention, if you haven't heard last week's episode on Jalen Griffin, please go check it out. This boy was only 12 years old when he went missing in 2020. And also, if you happen to live near the Buffalo, New York area, they are planning a vigil on August 4th. We did share this information on our social media if you are interested. This case and this family needs all the support and help they can get. Bury the Violence is also the organization that is working so hard for Jalen. And I've shared their website, but please check them out if you're interested in more information. They work on donations, so any little bit can help. And you can also help them out by sharing their info. They also have the information for Jalen's vigil on their website as well. This week's story, the story of Janice Stavros, is extremely limited on what we know, but I do want to share what information we can. Janice lived in Canyon Rim, Utah, just south of Salt Lake City, Utah. And I couldn't find much information on her personally, but I did find that she was well-loved by those that knew her, she had daughters, and despite being divorced from her ex-husband, Michael Stavros, the two were still friendly. Janice also had begun dating and living with a man by the name of Robert Butcher Jr. Their relationship appeared to be happy and uneventful, and Robert seemed accepting of Janice's friendship with Michael. The Disappearance The series of events leading to her disappearance seem to have started on January 1st, 2002. So we will start there. New Year's Day. For most, it's the time of fresh beginnings, celebrations with friends and family, and making plans for the upcoming year. The country was still reeling from the 9-11 terrorist attacks that happened just a few months prior. So people were really needing a new start and a reason to look ahead and be hopeful. And if you were around during those times, you know that feeling. That feeling of being scared, unsure, confused, and even angry and sad. On January 1st, 2002, Janice and her boyfriend Robert would go to dinner at Michael's house along with her daughter Megan. The evening progressed as usual, food, laughter, and conversation. Everyone was having a good time. Around 10 p.m., Robert and Janice got up to leave. Robert had to be at work the next day, and they all said their goodbyes and left. The next morning was Wednesday, January 2nd, and Robert woke up at 6 a.m. for work, as usual, and Janice was still asleep when he left the house that morning. During the day, daughter Megan tried calling her mom a few times, but received no answers. The next day, January 3rd, was more of the same. So Megan asked Michael if he had heard from her mom. He said he hadn't, so he also tried reaching her. Finally, on January 4th, they spoke to Robert, who shockingly told them that he had not seen Janice since the morning of January 2nd. Megan and Michael were immediately shocked and concerned. 
This was not like Janice at all. She stayed in touch regularly, and she was never the type to just up and leave and go somewhere, especially without telling anybody. Something felt wrong. And they knew that Janice's pickup truck was still in the driveway. If she had left to go somewhere, that meant someone had to have picked her up. It would be that day, January 4th, when Megan and Michael decided enough was enough, they needed to alert authorities of Janice's disappearance. The Search By all accounts, it does seem authorities did take Janice's missing person report seriously. We know in many cases of missing adults, there is that delay or that lack of urgency in investigating, but it seems they did take the report right away. Friends and family were interviewed. Robert stuck by his story that she was there the morning of January 2nd when he left for work, but when he returned home, she was gone. There was no explanation as to how she left since her truck was still in the driveway. One interesting fact did come up during these interviews. While everyone said that Robert and Janice had a good relationship, daughter Megan said that was not necessarily the case. She said her mother had mentioned to her that there were some problems. This was news to Michael and everyone else who truly thought everything was going well. Of course, this also led people to look at Robert a little more closely. And it was also Robert who was the last person to see Janice, to be with Janice. On January 9th, authorities executed a search warrant at Robert and Janice's home. And honestly, seeing that they executed this warrant just five days after she was reported missing is somewhat impressive. I know we like to, we need to see that immediate action. There were zero clues as to Janice's whereabouts. As far as authorities knew, she could have just up and left town on her own with someone else. But obviously, family knew this wasn't the case. And law enforcement generally works on different beliefs, but they must have had some type of evidence or concern that caused them to pursue a search warrant and obtain a search warrant. They ended up removing 34 items from the home, which included things like bank statements, a computer, and even some guns and knives. It was noted that there were some small amounts of blood detected, but nothing to indicate a struggle or a crime. They also searched Janice's pickup truck, and they ended up taking nine items from it, which included, oddly enough, several cleaning supplies. I feel like cleaning supplies out in the open in any missing person case or crime scene is a bit of a red flag. But I also suppose there are logical explanations for that as well. I mean, everyone has cleaning supplies, right? There were a few other alarming discoveries during that search and investigation. First, they noted that Janice's cell phone was left behind. But it was early 2002, and we weren't as attached to our phones back then. And maybe if she did leave, she didn't want to be tracked or found. Second, her bank account and credit cards were untouched, and there was no evidence that any money had been withdrawn or taken. So generally, someone who leaves on their own needs money to get where they're going, unless they had planned ahead and stashed some, or they had some other kind of plan. Thirdly, Janice's beloved pets were left behind, including her new puppy that she adored. 
Everyone said that she would certainly never leave her animals behind. So was anything at all missing that authorities or even family could identify? The simple answer, no. Nothing was found to be missing, which caused even more growing concern with Michael and Janice's family. Also, on January 9th, the day that search warrant was executed, Robert would be arrested and his criminal history would become known to the family and to the public. He was arrested on parole violation charges and for being in the possession of firearms. Robert was a convicted felon and was not allowed to own or be in possession of any firearms. As it turned out, Robert has quite a lengthy criminal history, which included stints in federal prison. It's really unclear if Janice was aware of his history or not. But it certainly does make you wonder. Friends and family tried to rally for more media coverage on Janice's case, hoping that someone out there had some information that could help them. Maybe someone had seen something. Maybe someone had heard something. And while they hoped and prayed that maybe she had just run away somewhere and was living a new life on a beach or in a new city, they also felt that it was very possible that Janice had met with foul play. It was just so unlike her to not be in touch with family, especially her daughters. Canyon Rim, Utah. Canyon Rim, Utah is part of the Salt Lake City greater metropolitan area. The area known as Canyon Rim is located just south to southeast of the city. In 2000, Canyon Rim had a population of just over 10,000 residents. Interestingly, it actually merged with an area known as Mill Creek in 2010 to create its own census-designated area. Most of the Canyon Rim recreation area is primitive and undeveloped land. There is one commercial resort and a few campgrounds, but as far as development, that's about it. Miles and miles of sheer rock walls, deep canyons, and rugged terrain make up most of the Canyon Rim recreation area. However, just before you cross into what is considered that recreation area, there is a developed area with residential neighborhoods, shops and small businesses, and four-lane highways. This part of Canyon Rim is what you'd consider part of the greater Salt Lake City area. This is the area where Janice lived with Robert at the time of her disappearance. They were living at 2910 East 3215th South Street. That is quite a mouthful. Why do we name streets like this? But looking at this area on Google Maps, it is a residential neighborhood. Small homes, fairly close together with small lots. There's some small businesses, shops, restaurants, churches. Just overall a very busy little area. However, it's only about a mile before you enter that Canyon Rim recreation area, which is the complete opposite. It's hard to imagine anything happening at the house without someone seeing or hearing. They're just that close together. The houses are literally right next to each other, which makes me wonder, did they, Janice and Robert, ever even make it home that night after they left Michael's house? 
I don't believe there are any witnesses to them arriving home or even for Robert leaving for work the next morning. Although that's easily verifiable with his job, I suppose, depending on what type of job he has, that is. There are also a couple bodies of water in that area that are notable. Of course, the Great Salt Lake to the west is only about 20 to 25 miles away and is the largest. Known for its high salt content in the water and known for bodies floating with ease due to that salt content. You wouldn't think a body would end up in the Great Salt Lake. However, bodies have surfaced in the Great Salt Lake, one found in a barrel recently as those water levels have been declining. To the south, about 30 miles, is the Utah Lake. Smaller than the Great Salt Lake, but large enough in its own right. I always take note of bodies of water because that's a spot people can easily be concealed and go unfound. There are also a few ways a body can end up in the water. It doesn't necessarily mean foul play. It could be an accident. It could be a suicide or something more sinister. But it has happened. And since wherever Janice is, she remains hidden. Canyon Rim being part of the greater Salt Lake City area, I wanted to note the options of travel coming in and out of Salt Lake City. First, there is a large international airport. Of course, with all of Janice's belongings and money and ID left behind, it isn't believed that she took a flight anywhere, at least under her own name. There's also the Amtrak train, which you can take to the East Coast or to the West Coast. And of course, several major highways making car travel very easy also to the North, South, East, West, any direction you want to go. While all of this took place near the very remote part of Canyon Rim Recreation Area, being so close to Salt Lake City does open up many other options. But where does one even begin to look? There weren't any clues pointing to any one direction. And manpower for authorities is limited. And then the media wasn't really picking up on the story either and sharing it. So leads coming in and tips were minimal. This was definitely a huge, huge struggle for Janice's family. Theories and Possibilities With very few clues, almost none, I suppose, anything is a possibility. Nothing can be ruled out. But let's talk about the possibilities that law enforcement and family might be leaning towards here. Number one, Janice left on her own. This is, of course, the best of the three possibilities we will mention. Was there something else going on in her life? Something we don't know about and possibly even her family didn't know about? Something that could cause her to want to up and leave and cut off contact with everyone? We've seen it happen before. Perhaps she could have even had a mental health episode that caused her to leave on her own. But a lot of times when these things occur, there are signs. Money is missing. A plane ticket is found. Or other clues pointing to them wanting to leave. Maybe they mentioned it to somebody. Maybe a few of their clothing items are missing. But in the case of Janice Stavros, we don't have any of that. But we have nothing to prove that it didn't happen either. And if this is what did happen, 
Her family is hopeful that she is happy and living her life, relaxing on a sunny beach somewhere or in a bustling city, just doing life the way she wants to do it. Number two, self-harm. This is one of those things that we generally see signs of beforehand, but not always. There have been many times when this occurs and family and friends are completely shocked. But Janice didn't struggle with depression or suicidal thoughts, at least that anyone knew. Plus, where would she go? Her truck was still there. And why hasn't she been found? Number three, foul play. This is also a very, very possible theory, unfortunately. With all of her belongings left behind and no reason that anyone would believe she would harm herself, what does this leave us to believe? Plus, we learned that the person she was living with at the time, her new-ish boyfriend, Robert, has a lengthy criminal history. Did she know about that history? I'm not sure. But it was extensive and very lengthy to the point where Robert was on parole and would actually find himself arrested for a parole violation and possessing firearms, something he wasn't allowed to do. And he was arrested on January 9th. That day they executed a search warrant at their house. Also, Robert was the last person to see Janice. And what we know about her disappearance was told by him. If we are going to be suspicious of the boyfriend, we can look at the timeline provided by her ex-husband, Michael, and her daughter, Megan. They said Janice left the home around 10 p.m. on January 1st, and that was the last time that they saw or spoke to her. So what happened from there? Did they even make it home that night? Janice's friends and families continued to search for her and to try and raise awareness about her story. In 2006, it was a friend of hers who had the idea of putting up billboards around Salt Lake City to help drum up some leads or some tips. Everyone believed that someone out there had to have more information or had to know something. And this did bring in some tips, but nothing that led to Janice or even to them learning what may have happened to her. We haven't actually covered many missing persons cases in Utah. But Utah is home to a few of the higher profile cases. Susan Powell disappeared from West Valley City, Utah, under very suspicious circumstances. In 2012, a few years later, her husband, who was the primary person of interest in her case, killed himself and their two sons. Susan Powell remains missing. Mason Smith was last seen September 1st, 2015. His family had recently moved to St. George, Utah, and 17-year-old Mason was allegedly having a hard time adjusting. Mason Smith remains missing. Dylan Rounds was last heard from on May 28, 2022, in the early morning hours before heading out to do some farm chores. He had recently moved to Lucen, Utah from Idaho to live out his dream of being a farmer. And while foul play is suspected and believed in his case, Dylan Rounds remains a missing person. Overall, Utah seems a pretty quiet place, however, for crime and missing persons. In fact, NPR.org has Utah listed as the fourth safest state in the United States, just behind Vermont, Maine, and New Hampshire. But that is little consolation to the families of the missing. I wish I had more 
info to share with you on the disappearance of 42-year-old Janice Stavros, a loving mother and a friend to so many. Her disappearance and the lack of clues is beyond frustrating. What do you think happened to Janice Marie Stavros? Janice Stavros is described as a Caucasian woman standing 5 foot 2 inches tall and weighing around 110 pounds when she was last seen in January of 2002. Janice was 42 years old then and would today be 65. She has brown hair and hazel eyes, and she usually wears eyeglasses. She also often went by the nickname Jan. Anyone with any information is asked to contact the Salt Lake City Sheriff's Office at 801-743-5826. Thank you all so much for listening to Janice's story today. How? Does a 42-year-old woman vanish without a trace near Salt Lake City? Does someone out there know something? Please make sure you are following us over on the socials. You can find all those links in the show notes or just by searching for the Where Are They podcast. You can also find all of our past episodes and additional information on our website at wherearetheypodcast.com. If you have a case suggestion for us, a little known missing person case that does need more attention, please send an email to canwefindthem at gmail.com. Again, a big welcome to Christy for joining us over on Patreon. If you're interested in joining, that link will also be in the show notes and helps us make the donations that we do to families and to charities that support the cases we cover. Of course, by listening and sharing these stories, you provide us the biggest help of all. Thank you all so, so much for your continued support of our show and our mission. And a big thank you for listening to Janice's story today. Let's hope that her family has some answers very soon. I know it's been a while, but we've seen older cases get solved. There's always hope. Never stop searching. We will be back again soon with another unsolved missing persons case. And until then, stay safe and hug your loved ones.